What is the show about? DR Burns shares his years of experience as an independent restaurant owner and helps you not to get hustled in the restaurant business. Turn up your headphones and let's build your restaurant. This show is sponsored by Hot Plate Restaurant Group and Trendy Clothing. What's up, guys? Welcome to the first episode of The Restaurant Hustle with your host, T.R. Burns. Yay! It's the first one. Um, Just to give you a little bit about The Restaurant Hustle, um, the goal of this podcast, the reason I created it, because I am an independent restaurant owner, have been for a number of years. And in my journey, it has been challenging hard and finding information um, with people that really are talking to you in a real way, not just giving you this franchise restaurant knowledge that does not apply to independent restaurant owners like myself and you that are listening to this podcast. So the reason that we I started this podcast is because I wanted to be a resource to others out there like myself that are, you know, you took this leap of faith. Matter of fact, you jumped off a roof. Matter of fact, you jumped off the Abu Dhabi without um, a parachute and say, hey, this is going to be my thing I'm going to do to help um, my family or whatever your your purpose of it was. And you found it's not that easy. So in this first episode, I'm going to talk about the truth and the mistakes I made in owning a restaurant, the truth and the mistakes I made <laughs> And owning a restaurant. So we'll be right back with our episode. You're now tuned in to Restaurant Hustle with T.R. Burns. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Restaurant Hustle with T.R. Burns. And as I said before, um, I am a restaurant owner. I've owned multiple restaurants. Um, At one point in time, I had three or four at one time. And um, I kind of started this journey... um, out of desperation, you know, like I was um, started out as a pastor in the church and um, just uh, always cooked. I cooked therapeutically, but never professionally. And so I had this kind of this epiphany um, needed to make some money uh, that I can uh, start selling food out the church. And it became popular. Uh, back then, we called it My Weekend Kitchen. And um, the first restaurant uh, was created from that space of a weekend hustle. And so moving forward, we was able to do that a few times and, um, you know, build a brand. And now we own Hot Plate Soul Eateries, Food Geeks, Vegan Soul Company, and a few other food ventures. Um, but that journey wasn't simple. So I want to take this time in this podcast episode to share with you, you know, the crazy things about owning a restaurant. And, um, you know, just down to the journey, just I found that people like to share on social media their success stories, but they don't like to really walk you through the real, the real success, right? Because there's no success without failure. And I think a lot of people fail to say that enough. There is no success without failure. And so I want to share with you my mistakes. I want to start out right, you know, in this first episode, Restaurant Hustle. And again, I want to tell you, this is why I call it a Restaurant Hustle, because you might be hustled. <laughs> Uh, it is so many predatory um, things that go on in owning a restaurant from food distributors to 
I mean, so many different things to POS systems. So I'm going to be your inside man. I'm going to help you be successful by sharing my stories, my opinions. So let's get into the show. Right. So, um, you know, owning a restaurant a lot of times is very glimmery and shiny to people like, hey, I could open a restaurant because my cousin, my mama, my auntie said I could cook some fried chicken. And um, what I um, what I thought, you know, after the success of selling dinners out the church is that, hey, I'm going to get this restaurant building and it's going to be I'm the next Gordon Ramsay. I'm going to be the next uh, high end McDonald's, whatever. Right. At that first restaurant and figured out that. Yeah, this ain't as easy as I thought it was going to be um, running this thing. Right. And so I quickly had to make some adjustments in my mentality and my mindset because the way I was cooking at the church, um, I was cooking, you know, I was cooking, but I wasn't being professional restaurateur. That makes sense to y'all. Right. So I had to immediately make some adjustments and it was like scary. I think the first restaurant we got, you know, um, you know, we got a deal and I'm going to talk about that. A little bit in this episode about deals and are they really deals from God or deals from the devil? Right. Um, and we was paying like a thousand dollars a month. It was in a hotel, like a rooming house hotel type of thing um, in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Right. And we want, you know, we got in there. We just happy, very optimistic in the beginning. You know, that's how it is when you first get married. You know, you'd be like optimistic until you have the first arguing. Like, did I make the right decision? Right. But, you know, it is weathering them storms to make the great relationships. So we went up in there, me and my wife, uh, a few people that work with me from the church. Uh, we painted. Uh, we should have known it was a sign because it had carpet on the floor. Don't ever Get a restaurant with carpet on the floor. Okay. So we went through that, started selling meals, but we found that the reason the restaurant was so cheap <laughs> because it was in a dead, a dead zone. It was on, uh, it was, it was three blocks from where all the action was literally where we was at. Nobody wanted to come. There was a shelter down the block. The bridge is there. Uh, everything around there was vacant, aborted up. So it was like in order to bring people into the restaurant, you almost had to give the food away for free. And that's not what we are into. So it wasn't simple or easy. Um, and it didn't make a lot of money in the beginning. It didn't make a lot of money in the beginning. And um, we dumped a lot of money into it. And we, I would say we, we, the money we spent was for education because we definitely got a PhD and what not to do in owning restaurants. So the first thing you I, I made a mistake was is thinking it's going to be simple and easy because someone said I can cook or because there was an opportunity to open up something. But we always have to re remember that in a restaurant, it is a business and we can't we can't lose that focus with employees, with whatever. It's a business. It's not just a passion because sometimes your passion would have you doing something that doesn't pay you. And that's now not good because now other people that you owe, they don't care about passion. They want to get paid. So that's the first thing, first misconception that I had was that it's going to be simple, easy and make a lot of money. And I want to add this into it. Don't believe the landlords because the landlord going to tell you, yeah, yeah, yeah. We could, you, you're going to do well here. They, all they care about 
is the potential that you're going to pay them rent and they got this empty space off their hand that nobody else wanted. So you have to watch why you're getting a deal, why you're getting free rent. Is it so that you can succeed or so they can get you on a hook so you owe them for the next three, four years, right? The second one thing I want to talk about is I didn't know what the heck I was doing. Like I literally went from cooking in a church I can make some good fried chicken. I can make some collard greens. I can hook up some things. Right. But I went from on a certain level of cooking intimately to like, now I got to reproduce these recipes weekly, daily, consistently and make money. And I'm not buying this from the local supermarket. I got to find distributors that can give me the, the right, you know, um, I got to pay the right of money so I can make the profit of it. Right. So, um, it, it, it was a lack of education. And so because of that lack of education, we didn't understand that owning a restaurant is a science. It is not just the ability to, to put together food and plates, but it's a science of menu configuring. It's the science of efficiency. It's a science of knowing you know, what would be good in an area? Um, it's a science of learning how to kind of predict or project, you know, what how what your sales would be so that your labor costs will not outweigh your your sales. And then now you're giving your profit to your labor and you're just working for free or working to pay the bills. So one thing I didn't know is the signs of it, you know, like, you know, portioning and that we cannot emotionally <laughs> give out food. Like in the beginning, we like, this is the church, um, you know, after the worship, you know, we going to give out food today. So we just heaping it on and, and oh, wow, we don't have no more food because we did not portion the food. We didn't understand the science of portioning and, you know, how to uh, produce in such a way that you satisfy your customer, but you satisfy your bottom line and your money coming in. So, you know, when you open a restaurant and you're an independent restaurant owner like myself and, you know, you got a dream and faith and you don't have all of the, you know, you, your family wasn't in this business. You don't you may not have ever had a business. Your family may have not been entrepreneurs. Always research and educate yourself because, you know, we always have that front load energy. Hey, I'm going to get this done. But it is when we get to that middle and things, monkey wrenches come and things happen that, you know, <laughs> we, we got to be prepared. We got to be able to adjust. We have to be able to, um, move in a different way. So one thing I would suggest is educate yourself. Don't educate yourself in such a way that you give up and you say, Hey, I'm not going to do this, but know what you're getting into. Know that McDonald's do not sell burgers, uh, just to sell them. They sell them based on a science. They sell them, you know, your fry bags are a certain size, your cups are a certain size. There's a cost for every sauce you get. Um, because they project this is this potential will make me this amount of money. Um, the type of people you hire, everything in a restaurant requires synergy, right? So for me in the beginning, you know, I had some people, uh, I mean, you know, one of, one of my good people, Elaine worked with me, my kids, my wife, everybody was working, but they was helping me out. They necessarily didn't understand. Like I didn't understand what was the science of the business. So, uh, Elaine was the, um, the prep cook, assistant kitchen manager. We didn't even call it kitchen manager at the time. We didn't know what that was. Right. Um, 
So, but to be consistent, you know, we, we had to learn in that first three, four years of doing restaurants. Okay. What is a kitchen manager? Cause we started figuring out that people were not doing their job. So who, who manages that? Right. So everything in the restaurant needs synergy. You need the dishwasher, the cooks, the prep cooks, the inventory. I didn't know none of that. We down to one piece of chicken. We going to buy chicken. We down to a pan of collard greens. We going to cut collard greens. Right. Not a system in place. So one thing I will always encourage everybody before you even start. Hey, think about systems, because if you don't think about systems, think about slavery. Just think about slavery. Kunta Kinte, because if you don't have system in place, you will be the Amistad, give me free slave in the restaurant. I've been there. You can't go nowhere. You can't do nothing. You ain't going outside in the summer. You on lockdown because you don't have system in place. And then you don't have people in place that to follow the systems. Then there's no, you know, there's nothing in place to keep the business going without you being there and it to be consistent. One thing about McDonald's and all these other places they're consistent, right? Because they have systems, not and 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 McDonald's is not a gourmet meal, Bojangles, Popeyes, and I ain't getting nothing. Listen, I'm not getting no promotion from from them, but they have systems in place that the CEO does not have to be there to make sure the chicken is fried correctly. They have systems in place, so educate yourself on the science of the business. Educate, read books, um, watch stuff. Now, and this is why the Restaurant Hustle podcast is very important because. Unlike other podcasts, unlike other books and different things, resources, I'm going to talk real talk. I'm not talking from that Ph.D. franchise mode. I'm talking from I'm in the kitchen. I've started from the bottom. I've washed dishes. I've fixed fryers. I've built kitchens. I've put hoods in all the stuff and give you the real talk understanding of what you're getting yourself into and answer your questions because, you know, in the beginning I made thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of mistakes. Oh my God, if I get that money back, um, trying to learn something that I was passionate about, but ignorant about. And if you want to waste any money, there's two industries I've, I've been in, right? If you want to waste money and dump money in the toilet, Open up a restaurant and make films. Them are the two money pits businesses because, you know, you got food spoilage. You have high labor costs. We're going to talk about that in the next episode about the pandemic labor, where they find these people. I don't know what what universe this labor pool, but somebody definitely pissed in the labor pool and we need to get the the pool clean. Right. So educate yourself, y'all. Educate yourself on the science, the business and create systems that work for you. Don't do what everybody else does. You know, that's my thing. Like, what is the point of opening an independent restaurant if you're going to be like everybody else? If you're going to name your menu the same way, act the same way. Listen, we in this not only to make money, but have fun making the money and creating something that we believe in. A good product we can stand behind. Third thing, one of the major mistakes I was was making was assuming a turnkey uh, restaurant was a gift from God, but really sometimes was a gift, was a, a gift from Satan himself, like Freddy Krueger, right? So you always have to ask yourself, I've learned this the hard way. You have to ask yourself, why is this so cheap? Why they give me a whole six months free? It's a reason behind it. And so what I learned to do is research Google, try to reach out to the former tenant, ask people in the neighborhood, 
Um, because the landlord, most times they're going to lie. They're going to lie like a rug. They're going to lie to you because their goal is to put someone in that property on the hook to pay them rent. Obviously the last person um, left and there's a reason why they left. Most people are not leaving uh, a restaurant that's making money. They're leaving a restaurant that is not making money. And um, in order for uh, any business to flourish in a rental leasing situation, there has to be synergy between the landlord and the tenant. The tenant and the landlord have to have the same purpose. The landlord wants to get paid, but he wants to see you prosper. So a poor slummy landlord is not good to lease from because you're going to spend more money fixing his property, building equity into his situation. Done that. Got that T-shirt. I was stupid. Then. Um, sometimes you got to cut your loss and be like, Hey, I'm not doing this. Right. So you have to ask yourself, why, why is it so? So sometimes the landlord is, Hey, I want to get somebody good in here. And that's why I'm working with you in the front. And sometimes is, uh, I just want to get somebody in here that is a sucker so that I can get rent out of you and hold you on the hook for three years. So make sure you do your research. Do not be so excited as I have been to have something, um, that you do not do your due diligence to make sure because if they're giving you a contract, they want you to stay there, whether good or bad or indifferent until that contract is up. So do your due diligence. Right. Um, and know that everything that looks shiny and good sometimes is just to wrap it, unwrap it and you'll see the garbage. So a few things you need to always do when you get a property that's a turnkey. A, had to have the ANSU fire suppression system checked. When you walk into a property, the first thing that I do with my phone is I check the tags on the fire extinguisher on the pool station. If them tags are more than three years old, then nine times out of 10, the city is going to make you do a total nozzle and uh, it's going to be an overhaul of the system. And that's going to be about 3000 to 4,000, maybe $5,000, depending how big the hood is. Oh, take the filters out the hood and check if the hood um, flues, the, 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 the run, the flues that run up to the exhaust fan, see if that has caked on grease. If it has caked on grease nine times out of 10, you're going to have problems with the fan because they haven't cleaned the hood. Secondly, uh, check all equipment. Make sure you, if you got to pay somebody to come in, let them check everything thoroughly because broken equipment is a pain in the butt to fix. And when you have an existing restaurant, with existing equipment, most of the time they try to make you do a plan review to change out the equipment. And that costs money, right, to do, because that means that you have to get the fire people to come in to change out where the nozzles at. Them nozzles cost about $100 a piece, right? That little cheap pipe they act like is gold is another $100, right? So you, when you get a turnkey restaurant, you want to make sure that the kitchen is efficient, right? I made that mistake. Building a restaurant and taking over turnkey restaurants, I got Kitchens that the, the uh, you know, the dining room was huge, but the kitchen was too small to produce my menu. So make sure the equipment in there and the size of the kitchen can you can produce efficiently. Right. So don't always say this is a blessing from God. You got to ask, why is this person giving me this thing for nothing? Right. Because they know they know. So to remember, probably 10 other people came and told them, hey, unless you do this, I'm going to not do it. And now you the sucker. Don't be the sucker. Don't get hustled. Right. So a few things to check. Right. Make sure you um, 
you know, look up their health code. Make sure that that restaurant didn't have violations because they might have might have left because there was a violation they couldn't fix. So them are just a few things that you want to do when you taking over a turnkey restaurant. Don't just get excited and say, thank God I got a restaurant. Make sure because if you're bootstrapped, bootstrapping like I've have, have I've done most of the time, uh, you don't have the money for these unexpected expenses, right? So you want to make sure that so that when you make your decision, you have a budget put in place, you know that what you have to do, and then you have a time that you can open, right? And always negotiate free rent, right? Not free rent just to renovate, but free rent in general. Get get a month or two free while you open so that at least you can recoup a little bit of, of your investment before you have to pay rent, right? So that's that's a few things, right? Another thing is you need a mentor, right? Let me be that if you want me to or find somebody, but you need someone, you know, thank God that I, I was able to find some people that, um, you know, being at restaurant deep in different places like that, that I asked questions. There wasn't necessarily a regular mentor to say, hey, I'm mentoring you. But sometimes a mentor is just a person that will pick up the phone and you can ask a question. So I would ask a question many questions because I saw that they was, you know, successful. They was able to do what I wanted to do. And a lot of them questions in the beginning was systems. A lot of them questions was payroll. Um, well, a lot of them question was, you know, how do you, how do you balance out? How do you, um, stabilize the business? Because I'm, I, it wasn't an issue of me cooking, but it was the way I was cooking. It wasn't an issue of me not understanding business, but I didn't understand this business. So a mentor will help you um, navigate that stuff. You know, through there, a good mentor will be, share their good things and their mistakes like I'm doing today. So find that to help you navigate because it is a journey, right? Um, another thing, don't assume that you're going to immediately make money. So, you know, just really factor that in. Um and another thing I want to say, too, about the whole building thing is don't uh, don't build like, you know, have this grand dream that requires brand newness and brand new that buy secondhand stuff. When you start Buy secondhand marketplace, Facebook marketplace, Craigslist, um, offer up stuff because um, restaurant equipment and stuff depreciates like a car. Um, you may pay and spend 5,000 in the oven. And when the week later you try to sell it, you'll get a hundred dollars for it. And the reason you want to buy used stuff because that's in your budget. And that means that you don't have a loan and we'll talk about it in a few minutes. Right? So always, you know, uh, don't, you got to crawl before you walk. So don't, you know, allow people to, you went to roof Chris and you want to have that. You, you got to work with what you got. You don't have roof Chris money right now. All right. Um, and the only thing I had was a dream, vision, and faith. In the first month rent, and maybe the security, right? So it's important to know what's going to cost it's going to cost so you can build debt free. So I made the mistakes in, in, in a few times where I take out a loan, thinking I'm gonna open these doors, I'm gonna be rich tomorrow. And it didn't work that way, and people wanted their money, right? So now when I build a restaurant, I build from a storage unit. So I buy equipment all year long. Something I don't need it. I still buy. I put in storage room if because my goal is to compound restaurants to have a little franchise. Right. So having equipment is half the battle by hoods or whatever. Okay. Put it in a garage or whatever on a storage unit. Um, but you always want to do a debt free, especially during 
since we, the last two years of this pandemic, because now, you know, um, we, if you're debt free, it doesn't hurt so bad when some days you have some bad days because you, you, you have your regular responsibilities, your rent, your insurance, your payroll, your food costs. You don't have another $50,000 of loans out there. So I made a horrible decision doing that two, three times. I didn't learn, but I, I learned now. Um, and you have to understand, you know, bootstrapping um, in the beginning is OK, right? But you want to save in a way so when you do it again, you don't have to bootstrap so much that you have a reserve of money um, set aside for a challenging time or just for emergency. Something breaks down, but you don't want to have to go to the bank to get um, a loan. Because a lot of the hustling that goes on in restaurants is predatory financing, right? Merchant cash advance. Um, where they charge you a daily rate of maybe um, they charge you 5% of what you make a day. But that means every day they're drafting out your account, whether you make money or not. Um, and they're, you know, they're not, they're, they're easy to get, but they're easy to mess up. Um, so, it, it, you know, you want to bootstrap and bootstrapping is, you know, you, you figure out what you need and you, you try to do it in such a way that um, it's the least amount of debt you're going to take on. Right. Um, you want to make sure in the beginning that, you know, one of the things that saved me is the my ability to cook. You know, I'm a line. I could be online. I can prep. I can cook my whole menu for every restaurant that I own by myself. I can cook it. Right. So when we have had challenging employment um, or staffing issues like now during the pandemic, what saved me is my ability to be able to cook. Um, so you got to think about that, too. You know, I used to own barbershops. And the challenge with that barbershop is I didn't cut hair. So when I didn't have no barbers, I didn't make no money. So uh, this is an industry that I, I can participate in um, if need be. So, yeah, you may start out with the, the vision and dream, but you got to think about an ongoing plan because you can't bootstrap for the whole business. You got to be able to. So make a, a financial decision to put aside a certain amount of money out of every day, not every month every day that will go for a reserve. You know, um, my restaurant had to close for about a month and thank God I saved money as, as we was making good money. I saved money and that kept me and my family that kept the restaurant paying the bills. Um, going because we, I had wisdom say, Hey, just in case something happened, I ain't going to spend every dollar that we make here. Right. So, you know, you have to make that decision in your mind. Hey, um, I may be bootstrapped today, but I don't want to bootstrap forever because it's unhealthy to do that, to continue to bootstrap. And that means that you're living out of the day to day. You know, you're living out of your account. You're not you don't have enough money to maintain the business if the business has to close for a month or whatever. So that's a dangerous way um, to exist. Been there and truthfully. I've had a, rest, a few restaurants closed because of that and have enough cash flow coming in. It wasn't the business coming in, but things was just happening at once that require finances. And I didn't have the money to deal with it. Um, so we end up saying, hey, we're going to have to close, especially when you got payroll and you got so many things going on. Another way that I bootstrap, too, is in the beginning, uh, I'm careful about who I order food from. I've learned that we're going to do a whole episode on Cisco, U.S. Foods and all these other people. They are predators, right? Um, the people that really make the most money is the suppliers. I mean, literally, they make it should be illegal how they change the prices, especially during the pandemic. 
Remember, we was purchasing oil for the, we, we fry a lot. Uh, oil before the pandemic, $18 a jug. Now it's almost $50 a jug. And I'm like, whoa, does the corn have COVID? I don't know. So, you know, be careful because they get you into these contracts, right? And you got these case minimums and it's convenient, you know, to get a delivery. But a lot of times how they do it is, you know, because you have a case minimum, they're sending you more than what you want. And that's how you go into debt with them. Or they're sending you what you didn't ask for and then didn't bill you for it. And you got to get a refund from them. And I'm like, I'm not a bank. I didn't loan you. I, I want my money right back because this is the wrong product. So you have to be careful about that because when you're a novice in this industry, they know that and they prey on you um, and they expect you to buy from them. Right. And they try to make it so simple and so easy, but really they just want you to be leveled in debt with them. Um, and so that you owe them and you have to pay them. So, you know, find independent distributors, you know, that's what I did, uh, you know, you, and, and get your food from them. Right. All right. So one of the misconceptions too, about a restaurant is, uh, you know, just because your family likes your food, you think you're going to have a profitable restaurant. Uh, I experience this all the time. Now I'm a professional, you know, chef. I'm a, I've, I've come to that level where I can say I professionally, I can, I can, you know, do this as a profession. I meet family members all the time because they getting gassed all the way up by the kids, their wife, their husband, whoever. And they're like, I can do this. I can do this and make a business out of it. Cause it was just so good. And it's, it is not just about taste. <laughs> it's about understanding, um, you know, is this a profitable concept? You know, I had to learn that, the hard way that, you know, I do Southern food, everything. I used to do a hard Southern menu. That's all I did. But I've learned that that wasn't profitable. Not because the food that we use, the ingredients was uh, so expensive, but it's, it takes a skilled person to make Southern food taste good. Right. Everybody can't cook collard greens. Everybody cannot make mac and cheese. I don't care what you say. Right. So I had to learn, okay, you know, okay, what is a concept? All right. So I went from being my weekend kitchen to hot plate kitchen, uh, soul kitchen to hot plate eatery. And the eatery I added because we started diversify menu. I started rig- uh, started infusing, you know, comfort food more into it. Fries with Alfredo on them and I'm doing some crazy different things. Elevate. I call it elevated selling food. Right. Then I created food geeks, which was just a wings and burger. And I created that because in a, in a, in a grilled cheese spot. Right. And it was based on themed around nerds, uh, you know, nerd, nerdy stuff. Right. Because I'm a nerd. Right. So the reason I did that is because I figured that, you know, people order wings all the time and they order, you know, um, burgers all the time. But a, a good burger and a good wings and different flavors and it was affordable. The ingredients was less expensive and the skill level that it took for people to cook it. I didn't have to be there. Cause it didn't take a lot of people. It didn't take real cooks to make wings and burgers. Right. So it was a good concept. Right. And so when you think about a concept, you don't think about just what you like. And that's where people fail. They only want to cook what they like. I cook what everybody likes. If it's going to make money, if it's going to be an easy concept, I can build a system into it. Um, you want to definitely think about the concept. You know, there's some things I want to do now. You know, but I have to make sure it's the right 
I have the systems in place to be consistent with it because you can have one week of good sales with it. But if you can't be consistent, it's going to drop. So think about the concept. Is the concept profitable? Is there a demand for it? Right. Another thing, too, about location is you want to be in an area where restaurants are thriving. Don't fall into the trap that you want to be the only successful restaurant in the area or business. That's dumb. Case study says that if you are in an area with other restaurants that are thriving, you're going to thrive. Because people are not going to want that same thing every day that the other person has or what you have, but you will have good business. So think about that. You know, think about is this going to work in this area? My new restaurant that I just opened up in December of last year, um, it's in a shopping center. Yeah, we brought back our vegan soul company, Ghost Kitchen. We'll talk about Ghost Kitchens later. But um, where I was at, maybe 30 miles in another city, it wouldn't have worked. Vegan stuff would but this vegan stuff over here, people come in just as much as they're coming for the regular food, for the vegan food. So it's all about also where you're at, um, you know, what people like and what people want. Um, last thing I want to share uh, on our inaugural podcast, yay! Uh, the Restaurant Hustle with T.R. Burns um, is... Uh, I thought I had all I had to do was supervise in the beginning. You know, when you when I open up, hey, I'm open up, give instruction and I'll be on a beach. Call me from the beach. Instead, I became the dishwasher, the cook, the chef, the prep cook, the baker, the the baby spilled a Brooklyn juice at the mopper, the delivery driver, the server. And then my family all had to do stuff, too. Right. So. You know, one of the things that I've learned is that learn the business, learn every part of the business because you may have to do it. Right. Um, a lot of times you hear people talking about, I want to get in a restaurant. They don't know what the heck um, it's like. They don't know what the heck they get themselves into. They up here buying shiny pies. They buying new equipment because they can, but don't understand if you don't have systems and you don't understand and make mentally a conscious decision to get in this thing and you know what you get into, you will be a slave and you will not make no money. You will be miserable. Everybody be out. They be like you on punishment for the rest of your life until you get rid of this restaurant. But if you do it the right way, you will succeed. Follow these steps that I give you. Think about these questions. Now, listen, some of you haven't started. Listen, um, then listen. And some of you are have already started. So you're saying, man, TR, where were you at? Just go over these questions again and keep on listening to podcasts. I'm going to give you, I'm going to help you navigate the craziness now. You in it. You done dropped off the roof. You done jump off the roof into a pot of collard greens. Now you're balling. Let's make it happen, right? Let's make it happen. Let's, let me help you get this going. So listen, it's not all bad. I've had some great relationships. I've, I've made some money. I wouldn't keep on doing it if I didn't make no money. Um, but I've made some mistakes. I've been hustled in the restaurant hustle. Uh, I've gone into tremendous, tremendous United States of America debt. Right. And then I've coming out of it and then I've went back in and again. Right. But um, I learned that. This is a good business if we can master the science of it. And so we want to help you master the science of the restaurant industry in this podcast. Like I want to help you 
um, succeed. I'm going to tell you my tricks and tips. I'm going to tell you about POS systems, everything. So don't feel bad if you in it and you like, I wish I didn't had this information. Right. But you got me now. So listen, um, follow me on social media. Uh, follow me, um, you know, send some, send me some emails, um, you know, follow my YouTube page, subscribe to it because I'm gonna come out with a new episode each week, sharing the, how to navigate this restaurant hustle, um, from family, everything, how to navigate it. So this episode was good. It's our first episode, top of the 2022. I'm doing good. And I, and I really just talked about my, my, my mistakes, what I did, what I did wrong. Um, but what I did do right is I kept on trying. You know, you know, you listen, if you keep on trying, no one can be mad at you. You keep on. If this is something you want to do, keep on becoming better. Let them failures become education and push forward, you know, and keep on keep on going, especially if you're like me. Hey, this is a skill that I have um, and I can't go get no job. You know, it, it, I know it, it's no job unless I'm making two hundred thousand going to suffice, suffice me. So I'm going to keep on working this and building it. So tune in next week to the restaurant hustle with T.R. Burns. Um, and we're going to talk some more and navigate you through this where you don't get hustled in the restaurant hustle. Peace. Thanks for hanging with T.R. Burns and the restaurant hustle crew. See you next episode. Keep dreaming, building and creating.